This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Worth a try, and he's always prepared to give it a go. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello, it is On the Ball with myself, Cam Ruslan, and our three fantastic pundits for this packed programme. We have Gogolin. Hi, everyone. Good to be back on this Friday evening. Great to have you. We have Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. I say the same thing every week, but uh, I mean it. It's great to be on the show. <laughs> and we have Des Corkill. Well, that was some week of football. Final mention to Johor Darrell Taksim. I know it was last Saturday, but what a performance in reaching the last 16 of the Epson Champions League. That is, that is remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So in this pack program, we've got Champions League semifinals. We've got Europa League semifinals, Europa Conference. We've got some Premier League predictions. We have a championship, Bob Holmes. Some, we have some exciting news there. And finally, uh, some Sea Games. So oh, it's a really packed program. So let's get straight into it. And uh, Des, uh, let's start with, in reverse order chronologically, Manchester City... Remarkably. No. Is it remarkable? Manchester City 1 and Real Madrid 3. I saw this one coming. I think we all did, didn't we? That Real Madrid were just going to win it somehow. And and they've scored their first goal in the 87th minute. What is happening? Well, this is something from on high. This is paranormal, what happened at at the Bernabeu. Strange little atmosphere because they're still building it and the crowd isn't as close to the pitch. So it it wasn't as intimidating as the Bernabeu can be. But gosh, there was some noise. But the key for me on this, and I I remember thinking at the time, not not enough to actually say say that, that, that I sussed it, but when Walker went off, Zinchenko came on and Cancelo went from left back to right back, something changed at Manchester City. Crosses started coming. Yes, Real Madrid were pouring on, but crosses started coming in predominantly on Zinchenko's side. Now, he's not as good a defender as uh, as Walker, who'd, who'd been brilliant on the right. You, Cancelo's a very canny defender. He's, he's, he's moved to the right-hand side, and suddenly crosses are coming in from the left-hand side. And both goals... Bizarre though they were, both very late. The second one with some incredible fortune because the little flick off the head onto Rodrigo changes everything. But everything's come down that left-hand side. And the the difference between success and failure, as Pep Guardiola can tell you, is infinitesimal. And it, it, it truly, I think, it goes down to that one decision of Zinchenko coming in on the left-hand side and slightly weakening Manchester City. Yeah, but Goglan, isn't the, the margin also psychological because this is Pep Guardiola failing at the Champions League again with Manchester City. I, I, I think the only thing that could have been worse was this happening in the final. That would have completely broken Pep if you ask me, you know, if you ask if there's any silver lining. But I'm right, your desk is right, you know. He, I saw this uh, stat out there and then he's, you know, there's a meme or something, there's a tweet or somebody by somebody who says that he's taking off uh, KDB and uh, Mares like they're fighting up against Burnley. You know, again, you know, tinkering while there's... I think he's got one eye on the Premier League also. I understand where he's coming from. But again, this is Real Madrid. Like they said, they're pouring on the closing stages. You need to close the game up. And another thing I need to say is those those uh, minutes between those goals was what? A uh, very far, a couple of seconds, sorry, right? 80 Edison, seconds, yeah. Tiny. Edison plays the ball immediately to the centre circle. I mean... What, what happened to time wasting? And you know, getting, I don't understand. <laughs> I was watching it, and he immediately kicks it off and tries it. It's not like they are on the counter attack. <laughs> yeah, City of all people. 
I mean, exactly. they're, they're the possession experts, exactly. aren't they? And he gives it up. And they immediately come down again the left and score. The first shot on a target was 18. They have first, the first two shots on target go in, in the mm. 89th minute and the 90th minute. Mm. Hey, Bob, um, Pep out. <laughs> Let, let's hire uh, the plane now and fly it over well, the, the stadium. Um, there are some pretty damning stats, actually, about Pep in the Champions League. Um, Miguel Delaney and the Independent uh, dug them up in uh, 11 attempts at the Champions League since he won it twice with Barcelona, the Messi, the great side. Um, he's had 11 goes at it, three with Bayern, two with Barca, and uh, six now with City. And in eight of those, they have conceded goals in little flurries. It's quite amazing. Twos and threes within a matter of a few minutes. Mm. And he is uh, reckoning, the, the theory behind this is that Pep is such a control freak. When they lose a vital goal and lose, and lose control of the game, chaos ensues and City don't know how to deal with it. Because they are only, they've been programmed so well by Pep, so thoroughly. There's no margin for error. And ev everything works like clockwork. And then suddenly, somebody puts a spanner in the works. And they're, they're a go AWOL. Everything goes out the window. And that possibly explains Edison, who is probably the best distributor of all the keepers, right, in the modern game. I mean, he's got a powerful kick. He can find a man 60 yards away. And he goes and boots it upfield like an old-fashioned keeper from the 1960s, loses possession immediately, and back comes the attack. And City, if you look at it, City were doing things they don't normally do after that first goal went in. And I think there is something in this because... This has happened now. I mean, this is 11 failures by Pep. I'm not saying Pep out. No, I mean, he's too let's good. Let's do it. Come on. Go. Yeah, but let's come on. Why not? In the big one that he wants so desperately and the owners want so desperately, he's had 11 failures and there are similarities every time. So is this all luck? That's harsh, mate. That's harsh. I, this, no, I know, don't think it isn't. Saying it isn't. Luck, Des? Are it you isn't. saying this is luck? I mean, City have become the PSG of English football. They, they, they win the league, but they can't do anything in the Champions League. And I think it's only this battle with Liverpool that makes them look good. Yeah. So, so they keep winning the title. They keep making semifinals and finals. Uh, they're, they're, they're quite some team. Quite okay. Some team. Oh, so we've agreed. Pep out. So let's move. <laughs> right, now, right now, the two best club sides in the world are Man City and Liverpool. And there's no argument about that. Okay. okay. Yeah, just, Real Madrid are a work in progress. Yeah. And uh, well, let's not even talk about Barcelona right now. You have Bayern Munich, who are maybe a, a third, but that's it. Okay. The two you, best club sides in Europe right now, or in the world, are Man City. Yeah. Head, head and shoulders above yeah. right. the rest. Uh, you people are collectively destroying the narrative <laughs> that I'm trying to construct here. Okay. So let's move on then, Des, to, uh, well, you're wearing a Liverpool shirt. I believe you're a Liverpool supporter. <laughs> and at half time against Villarreal, you must have been very scared. But it was... Ultimately, a remarkable turnaround. What what happened in the first half when Liverpool appeared to be wearing yellow, and um, 
And then what happened at halftime? What happened in the second half? The goals changed games. The uh, the, the early goal, um, which Villarreal were relying on, changed. They had, uh, 2-0 is notoriously a dangerous lead. No matter how good a team you are, the pressure changes. If you concede a goal, uh, Liverpool conceded. They 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 weren't awful in the first half, but they they then conceded that second goal. Etienne Capoue doing um, Cruyff turns. Come on, this is unheard of. And uh, Coquelin, uh, an, an Arsenal reject, coming in on the back post, um, getting ahead. But Villarreal were, were just on on top of it for uh, 45 minutes. So going back a long time, I, the first European final I, I could remember was back in 73. And Liverpool played a team called Borussia Mönchengladbach. And Liverpool won the first leg in Anfield 3-0 and were battered for 45 minutes in the second half against Mönchengladbach. And at half-time, that, that was in my mind in, in the Liverpool game. They, they blown themselves out because Mönchengladbach blew themselves out. They did so much. To, you, it, it was impossible for them to keep on pressing as, as much as they did. Liverpool brought on Diaz, who kept the ball, made a difference, uh, got a bit of fortune with the goal. I feel a bit, a bit of... Um, Ruli was a little bit unlucky because he, he tried to come out for the cross and then he changed his mind and one of those that comes at you and it's through the legs. It looks awful when it goes in, but um, I, I feel for the goalkeeper. But once Liverpool got that first goal, it, 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 there was never any real doubt after that. Uh, Liverpool are just a, a remarkable machine. But Villarreal, to their massive credit and to their fans' credit, gave this a thousand percent, gave this more than you, you, you could imagine and uh, deserved all the plaudits that they received, but they're not in the final. Mm. These uh, two Champions League semi-finals are so good that we're actually going to we're going to continue with the the Liverpool match in part two. So uh, in a moment, more Champions League semi-final here on on the ball BFM eighty nine point nine. Deserved a goal that lovely return pass just wide on the ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. It's on the ball and it's Champions League semi-final. We've already talked about Man City being uh, rubbish. And now we're talking about uh, Liverpool's success against Villarreal. Uh, Goglin, I want to turn to you. Now, Goglin, you famously said that Thiago's the worst footballer since that guy who pretended to be <laughs> George Weah's brother. I never said that. <laughs> we, we've got it on tape. We've got it on tape. And now, would you add uh, Diaz to that list of uh, terrible footballers? I, I I rate Diaz a bit more than Thiago, actually. I just think that the hyperbole that comes with Thiago is just a bit too much that he's afforded space and time at certain teams, but other times he goes anonymous, you know, when teams like Everton play with a back uh, back four, back five or back six, and, you know, there's no way of breaking it. Also, Thiago, uh, like the Merseyside derby, uh, where was Thiago? He, went, he's got, he got anonymous in that game. You know, but you know teams like uh, Brentford or somebody who decides to attack Liverpool, and yes, then you have loads of space to look up, you know, have tea and play the long pass. <laughs> but Diaz, yeah, Diaz is Diaz has added a certain different element to Liverpool. You know, I thought he would struggle. He hasn't. He has come in and seamlessly slotted into the front three now with uh, Bobby out. I think he's taken Bobby's space, if I'm not mistaken, to a certain extent. And he, he's a he's. I don't even know whether he's Plan B anymore actually because. The way that he seamlessly slotted in, uh, it's it's remarkable to see, and and that's why I say that Liverpool are the odds-on favorite right now and the team in form because the players they have brought in have slotted in, and I can't, I can't really say anything uh, bad about Diaz right now. He's a joy to watch. Okay, so he's the second worst footballer of all time, so, <laughs> is what you're saying, uh, Bob. Um, I I mean, it was it was I'm going to coin a phrase which I think might take off. A game of two halves. <laughs> it might take off. It might take off. <laughs> it might take off. Uh, but what? But what remarkable two halves it was. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, both of these semifinals, as different as they were from each other, they were absolute crackers, weren't they? They were fantastic. And, you know, uh, UEFA being the busy bodies they are, they're talking about uh, stopping the two-legged semifinal and just are, having are they one. Not? Oh. Yeah, they're talking about it. It's coming up. Um, they were so impressed last year when they had the COVID sort of, uh, you know, emergency um, measures. You know, they played the semifinal, one semifinal, and the final in the same stadium, didn't they? Mm. Okay, that's COVID, understandable, that. But to seriously think about um, having uh, this, these were two of the greatest matches in modern football history. I mean, people are gagging for more. And to think about not having it, hopefully, these games will change people's minds. But, you know, it's always money that counts. But, Bob, can I, I mean, just very quickly, without going uh, blow by blow, match by match, uh, <laughs> down memory lane, when, <laughs> when Nottingham Forest won the European Cup back in the day, that was a two-legged semi-final? Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's a real break. It's always been a yeah, two-legged right, semi-final. Right from the yeah. 1950s when Real Madrid won, you know, six years in a row. It's when, always when, been when, two when, semi-finals. When the European Cup was just for champions. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm. always been uh, two leg semifinals, and now some uh, some nerd in in UEFA wants to uh, wants to tinker with it and muck, muck around with it. It's it's unbelievable. After the week we've had, and I mean, Cam, you have even extended the segment for discussion. That's how good these games. Are. <laughs> no, that that is that is true. But okay, uh, very quickly, you guys, uh, we'll we'll get a chance to talk about the the final at a later date, but. Uh, we're going to have a final now between, I think this is the, the final we all really wanted. It's Real Madrid and Liverpool, two of the absolute aristocrats of the European game. And I've, I've got to ask Jazz this question. Who would you have preferred in the final, Man City or Real Madrid, Madrid. as a Liverpool fan? Madrid, absolutely. Yeah, this is what I thought. All Liverpool yeah. fans wanted Madrid. And a, a, because the, the Tottenham win doesn't quite feel like a European Cup final win, bizarrely. Uh, cause it's again, because it was Tottenham. Because it's an English team and Tottenham, but also there's there's um so in Kiev Liverpool it's still it's the Carriers final. It wasn't a proper game. It, it was a proper game. Madrid won it, but Carriers made the the two ghastly errors, uh, concussed or not, that really took the shine off it. And then there was the Ramos and uh, mm. Salah Salah's shoulder. So Liverpool fans and players, Mohamed Salah said this said you know there's a bit of payback. Um, required for Liverpool, so so there's going to be a bit of spice in in this game as well. Plus, they are the two giants, and they've got rid of the the new money men. So you've got the the old traditional money people getting rid of the new money people. So I, I think I think most people are pretty happy that apart from Man United fans that uh, that this is a, a Liverpool Real Madrid final. Who's going to win it quickly? The three of you, Des first. Liverpool. Bob. Liverpool. Coglin. Yeah, I hate to say it, but Liverpool. Uh, I just, can I just day. say something oh. about Carriers? There is um, a chance for a little bit of redemption for the guy. Um, he he was concussed. Um, his loan was terminated in <clears> Turkey. <throat> He's back at Anfield. I don't think many people realize that. But his he, contract's up. His contract's yeah, up at the end of the season. He's leaving at the end of the season. Yeah. And he, he's currently fifth choice. But he's hoping to go to Paris and if Liverpool win, he's going to come on the field and celebrate. So, I mean, I think he deserves that, doesn't he? 
what he's yeah. been through. Oh, yes. okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, um, we're going to have to move on, though, to the... Uh, well, I, we're running out of time here, but we do need to talk about what is the impact of this on the title race? I, uh, I, I, let me, I, I mean, I was looking at the pictures of uh, Foden and, you know, some of the players <laughs> after the penalty, actually, not even the final whistle, and they look completely broken. So I really don't know how Pep is going to get them mentally wound up now for the Premier League. You know, because they, they were really shell shocked and broken, so it's going to be it's going to be a hard, hard task. But Newcastle are no joke. I think the ball has swung to Liverpool's favour after that game. Uh, Bob, I mean, what about Liverpool? I'm going to leave you out of this one, uh, Des. You're too you're too prejudiced. Bob, do you think Liverpool are on a high, or are they going to be their eyes now on the Champions League prize? Oh, Liverpool are on a high. Um, they keep uh, rolling, don't they? Um, I think that, uh, yes, they'll be aware that there's a chance here of City um, having a moment against Newcastle. It's a pity they aren't playing somebody else a bit tougher and away from home. Well, Newcastle uh, are quite might... tough now, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a cakewalk. But um, Eddie Howe's record against uh, City is played 11, lost 11, scored 5, conceded 34. Well, that's <laughs> so don't build up your hopes, Liverpool mm. fans. But um, there is a chance, and it may not be this weekend, but such was the magnitude of the loss that this could carry on, not just for a few days. This could even carry on for weeks. And what about Pep himself? I mean, the, the club itself, and even the owners, I think, were shaken by this. I mean, PSG admit that after mm. some of their failures. The entire club, right, going, going back to Qatar, you know, mm. the owners felt shaken. Having put billions into some project, you don't expect it to fail. And keep trying and keep trying and failing again and again. That is hard to get your head around. So, uh, Des, you've already ordered the cake with uh, Liverpool quadruple on it. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, the, the, all that matters is the Tottenham game. That's all that matters because that is a, a hugely difficult game for Liverpool. Tottenham have got a top four place to fight for. Uh, Conte's got a really good record against Jurgen Klopp. That is all the focus is on. Um, I don't like the talk of Madrid and I don't like the talk of the cup final. I just think you've got to play uh, your next game, which is what Jurgen Klopp has immediately done. It's all about the next game. It's all about Tottenham. Lose against Tottenham and it changes everything. Changes yeah. everything. The whole momentum and the whole atmosphere changes. Yeah. Okay, we've dedicated a lot of time to two matches. So now, uh, apologies to West Ham fans, but we're going to get on to you. So uh, West Ham got knocked out of the Europa League. It was uh, 1-0 to Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt. And uh, there was a very early, well, early-ish uh, red card. And uh, Bob, do you think that the the red card ended the game for West Ham? Uh, Yes, pretty well. And I don't mean uh, the David Moyes red card. I mean the... <laughs> yeah, I know, which, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think it was absolutely ludicrous, uh, inexcusable for a Sunday league player, never mind uh, a pro in a, in a European semifinal. He did this in the, in the tie before, in the quarterfinal, got a red card in the first leg for the same offence. And then in the, what, the 17th minute of this game when, uh, I mean, a, a very even Stephen game, a very winnable game, he goes and does it again. And I think Moyes' anger at the end, or, or to the ball boy or whoever, 
it really was actually, it should have been directed at Cresswell because that player let him down, let the whole team and the club down badly. I mean, he, he grappled with the guy knowing there was no other defender there. It was an automatic red card. And it was amazing that the ref only gave yellow at first. And thanks to VAR, Des, are you listening? Thanks to VAR, they came up with the right decision. That was a red card right from the beginning. So, I mean, with that, I guess West Ham season is kind of over. It's been a good season, I guess. They've still got a Europa League place to to aim for, so they've got to pick themselves up um, after that because if they trail off into seven and and, in the conference or even worse, eight, then it, it, it really takes the shine off what has to date been an impressive season. So I think they've, they, like Manchester City, have got to dust themselves down, pick themselves up and uh, really give everything they possibly can at the weekend where they've got, um, who have they got? It's, it's, it's an awkward one, isn't it? It's so, Norwich away. Norwich, so oh yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so awkward. awkward. So they've got to pick themselves up, but <laughs> they need the points because Wolves are there, Man United, uh, uh, that win over Brentford has helped Man United. And so for West Ham to knock them in the top six would be really a bit, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one that, of them. Yeah. Yeah, that one's only awkward if there's a traffic jam on the motorway and they might be a bit late or something. Oh, harsh, very harsh. <laughs> okay, so if West Ham really want to secure their place as the, as the new Everton, then they need to uh, get themselves together. And Goglin, I, I know you're, are you, I know you follow Scottish football closely. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I was really shocked actually by this, this, um, this, uh, Result Rangers came out winners. It was uh, Rangers, uh, Rangers three, uh, RB Leipzig one. So they go went through on uh, three two on aggregate. Rangers with one of the smaller budgets in this league. It's a big day for Scottish football. Oh, definitely. I mean, the magnitude of this win cannot be discounted. I mean, we talk about the Champions League, the Real Madrid game against uh, City, but this game is, you know, it, it's it's resonates throughout uh, football that the Rangers they came through the playoffs, mind you. And the amount of games they have played with that squad, and uh, compared to Leipzig, who has a squad of what twenty times worth what the Rangers squad is right now, and you know Giovanni van Bronckhorst has done the really, really, really remarkable thing that getting into the final. Hats off to Rangers fans throughout the world who have actually you know all the fans I've seen some of them go really ballistic on social media and rightly so. This is a little club that could. Little, the Rangers, little. the little club. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're, doing, you're doing a Rafa Benitez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Rangers well, in fans. In the context will, of the will... money these days being poured into Yes, yes, okay. Little, little budget, guys. <laughs> little, little budget. Little budget. Yeah, that's what I meant. So there's yeah, going to be... Compared to Leipzig. Oh, well, something special that I, I, I brought. I think Leipzig were terrified. Yeah. I think they came out and they were... So taken aback by the passion. I mean, it can be passionate in Germany, but Rangers and Celtic and some of the English at Goodison, when when the fans are close to the pitch and it can be pretty hostile, you can terrify teams. Mm. So Rangers, Rangers versus Frankfurt, huh? In Seville, look out, Seville. Bob, do you think very quickly? Well, I, I, I'll go for Rangers with my heart. Des, I, I got to be Frankfurt. I, I'm afraid because little Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Goglin. Well, the hit says Frankfurt, but the heart says Rangers. Yes. <laughs> okay. Roma uh, versus Leicester. Rome, Roma won one nil. That's uh, yet another final for uh, Jose Mourinho. He cried at the end. And Marseille, sadly, 
nil-nil against Feyenoord. What, what I don't get is that uh, Chelsea spent 100 million pounds to downgrade their striker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the winner. What a powerful header that was. Yeah, yeah, no. Fantastic. I mean, Sammy has done the job for us back in the championship and when they loaned him, wanted to sell him, I was completely confounded. He, yeah. he, will, he will remain at... Um, he will remain there, won't he? He's not, he's not leaving Roma, Tommy, nope. Tommy O'Brien. No, he's no, no, a, it's, he was it's, a permanent signing. Yeah, it's not a loan. It's a permanent mm. signing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm sorry to the fans of um, Leicester, Roma, etc. We have to move on. <laughs> okay, so in a moment, we're going to be coming back with Premier League predictions here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. What about that clearance off the line? How important did that turn out to be in the end? On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, Gogolin, Bob Holmes and Des Corkhill here on On The Ball. And we are now looking at some Premier League predictions for the, the, the matches coming up over the weekend. And so let's start with, um, with you, uh, Gogolin. Arsenal versus Leeds. I, I kind of feel like you're my go-to guy on Arsenal this season. I, I, you've had views on, um, on Arteta's project. You, you, you've been saying the whole time, give him time. I'm, I'm a big fan of giving managers time. Again, I think Des also espouses this fact that we live in a cultural society where, of course, results don't allow it, money doesn't allow it and all that. But I always say we should give managers time. There's no, there's no quick fix the quick fix might be a new manager bounce and all that. And we saw with Ole and all that. You need a manager with a project. And Ateta seems like he knows what he's doing, what he did with uh, Aubameyang and Ozil and all these players. So, so, but so, back to the game, Arsenal, yeah. this is going to be what Leeds are fighting for their lives now because of the Burnley results and the Everton results. Leeds have to be fighting. They really need to have that fire in them. And I think they do. I've, I've said this before in our off, off the show that I think Leeds have the fighting spirit to stay up. And I really do hope I'm right because Arsenal will have the whole of Leeds with them uh, against them, even with the, even if it's a home game. It's, it's, it's going to be tough for Arsenal, if you ask me. This one. If they get a draw out of this, it's, it's a good result for Arsenal. Because it's, it's an, a, a really, probably, probably the most consequential match of the weekend because Arsenal could get themselves um, fourth spot, yeah. even third spot. <laughs> this Premier League is, in a way, it's such a the relegation fight is still on. The, the league title is still on and the top four places are still on. So there's a lot to play for. So Arsenal and Leeds, each team has a lot to play for right now. This is one of the games to watch out for in the week, actually. The week. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, uh, let's look at the Brighton Man United match, Des. This there's, one... There's nothing to play for. <laughs> kind, yeah, is there nothing to play for? I think Man United are really out of the hunt for Champions League spot. Um but they got to get some pride back. This has been a shambolic season. Well, yes, they and uh, placed in the top six. I, I, I keep saying, if if you're in the top six of your of your nation, then then it's not it's not as dreadful as everybody says. It's it's not great for Manchester United, but they just need to build on that three 0 against uh, Brentford, where they played pretty well. Um, they said farewell to one matter, so uh, they're, they're in a they're in party mood. Just an awkward little this one because Brighton, after losing what they lost seven on the bounce or something, a good, couldn't score. Suddenly they've decided they want to play again. So this is an awkward little one for Man United. If they lose, 
then suddenly they possibly let West Ham back into the equation, possibly even Wolves back into the equation if Wolves can get a, a result against Chelsea. So this is important for Manchester United not to lose. You're quite right, they played more games than Arsenal and Tottenham, so top four is out of the question. But they they need to look after the, the top six and then start with Ten Hag, a brand new broom, a brand new uh, situation all next season, but with European football. And uh, a, a, a brand new um, split in the dressing room. <laughs> different combinations you know i don't like dutch guys that kind of thing um the dutch don't like the dutch guys <laughs> yeah that's true it's only a matter of time just wait for the world cup <laughs> yeah anyway we shouldn't say things like that so uh okay bob this match coming up now that i'm about to mention yeah i know we mentioned it earlier uh norwich versus west ham norwich are down it's 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 now official west ham on the other hand i they really focused i think on the europa league that no longer exists mentioned it briefly before uh can west ham pull themselves together yes i think they can they won't be as devastated as city for example although uh david moyes might need um more than 48 hours to uh to get his equilibrium back um i do sympathize though i do sympathize with him after all the effort to end a European campaign in those circumstances. They fought quite hard with 10 men, and now it looks as if they're going to fall between the two stools of um, not winning the Europe, uh, Europa League and not uh, definitely not getting in the top four, perhaps missing out on Europe altogether if they're not careful. So they've got to get, um, they've got to make sure they're in Europe, I think. Otherwise, this season will have a completely different uh, finish to what it's what it's looked like for 95% of the way. I mean, this has been a great season. The London Stadium has been rocking. No one talks about it lacking atmosphere anymore. Mm. They've mm. had full houses, the best atmosphere West Ham fans can remember for donkey's years. And so they don't want it to end with a whimper. I think they must get European football, but they've got the, the owners have got to invest. Give Moyes the players he wants, because they were lacking that little bit of extra quality. You could see it against Eintracht. Couldn't score. Um, that's that's their problem basically. They've got good players scattered around, and I think they've got to hang on to Declan Rice. I don't. Um, I don't think they will though. Yeah, that's not the way to go about it, is it? Yeah. I, I agree. They they may not. The, the two porn merchants who run the club, yeah. um, they're not uh, not known for their largesse or they or, or their uh, smart decisions. And uh, they could well sell him, but they're asking 150 million. Now, no one's going to pay that. I mean, that's that's ludicrous. Well, United might. <laughs> New, Newcastle? <laughs> Newcastle, possibly. I don't think he wants to go. He wants to go to Chelsea. He's a London boy. Yeah, London boy. Yeah. You know? Uh, but Chelsea, well, there's a bit of doubt about whether they'll even exist, isn't there? Yeah. No, they will. They will. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the British government won't allow that to happen. Well, um, yeah. You know. Well, let, let, me, let me let's get on to Chelsea. Actually, Des, uh, Chelsea Wolves. There's a lot of this. A lot of this story is off the pitch. Um, Chelsea have been stuttering. Uh, it must be very uncertain for the players management everybody you know who who how are they going to get paid next what what's happening 
This is playing on their minds, even as professional uh, footballers? I don't think multimillionaires are concerned in the short term about being paid the next paycheck. It, it's, it's not like in, the, um, in Southeast Asia where a paycheck really matters. But, but the, the, the uncertainty at the top, uh, are they being sold? Are they actually going to be in the division next year? Of course they will be. But it, it, it can't be helping. Um, they've only won one of their last four. They've, um, they've kind of stuttered. A top three place, which looked certain, but I did warn a little while ago. I need to say a month ago, I pointed this one out. They are, they are in jeopardy. If they were to slip up, even if they were to drop a point against Wolves, suddenly there's, there's pressure on them. If Arsenal win, and hopefully Tottenham don't win, but if Tottenham and Arsenal both win, then it is a three-pronged battle for third place. So Chelsea, I've got good players, though. They've got excellent players. Havertz is wonderful. Werner keeps getting into positions. Mason Mount, I think, is a terrific player. Um, so going forward, they'll, they'll, they'll do well. Um, they, they're just having a blip. Gogs likes talking about blips, and he's dead right. Every club goes through a blip. I think this is a Chelsea blip, but if it carries on against Wolves, then it could become one that, a, a serious wobble that cost them a top three place. Top four is nailed on. Top four nailed on. Um, no, no, not necessarily. Not Arsenal necessarily, and Tottenham yeah. can both get there. Arsenal and Tottenham can both beat them. Wow, that would be that would be amazing. That Speaking be. of which, Goglin, um, I'm going to say something I never thought I would say, which is I am really looking forward to Burnley versus <laughs> Aston Villa. We all did. No, but this is a a, a really important match. The, the fight at the bottom and Aston Villa of. I, I kind of thought uh, that Gerard's been doing really well and Villa's doing really well. But if you look at the results, actually, it's it's been pretty painful recently. Yeah, well, it was and until that win against Norwich that basically secured our uh, top flight safety. Yeah, <laughs> so do you think Burnley can get past and pull off what could be an incredible escape? Burnley are the form team at the moment at the bottom. With, after, the, after the Daesh sacking, they are the form team at the moment. They have scooped. Come pulled out wins, especially that one against Watford where they were one nil down with I think about uh, ten minutes to go. Yeah, and they instead of salvaging a draw, they went out all out for a win, and they got it. They got all three points, and that that kind of uh, that is going to permeate through the dream. You know, winning is contagious. So Villa have have their work cut out for them if they're going to be helping out the Everton and uh, Leeds. I think Villa will Villa are back in it after that win against Norwich. Our our problem is our strikers are not scoring. We're playing we're playing good football, but our strikers are not scoring. And then we eventually start, you know, when you don't you don't score, you don't win. So this is something for Gerard to look into for next season. But Villa uh But do they have anything to play for? Uh well pride. Really. Yeah, pride, yeah. I don't think they they will be there. They will they will come up and give Burnley a uh, a good test on this thing. This mm. this will be a good test for your Burnley though. We, I think we'll be playing Burnley twice, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. twice, mm. home and away, yeah. home and away. Yeah. So okay, well, Des, oh, I have to bring you in here again. Leicester versus Everton. Leicester after their sad exit from the Europa Conference, and Everton. Everton still in trouble, less trouble perhaps, and Leeds in more trouble than I thought they'd be. Everton. Um, are playing the kind of anti-football that you love to watch. Um, and uh, Burnley are playing the expansive football that you, you so hate. Uh, do, you, do you think that Everton can uh, get something in this one? So last week before the Chelsea game uh, and the way they'd played, the way they'd approached the game against Liverpool, uh, I was 
adamant the answer is no, but they they were different against Chelsea. They didn't just try to ruin the game. They did try and go and try and win the game, not by throwing bodies forward, but by by playing clever, clever football. They were they were competitive. They did all the good things Everton do. If they carry on doing those things, um, they'll they'll want the game more than Leicester. Leicester have got nothing to play for now. They've, they've just suffered the heartache of going out to the semi-finals of European Trophy. They can't qualify for Europe. They can't be relegated. So this one comes down to who wants it more. And if Everton desire it more, and Richarlison isn't banned for throwing that flair into the crowd last week, which is somehow he's got away with, hasn't he? Um, then, then I can see Everton getting another point here. And, and I can see Burnley doing well as well. And I can see Leeds being in in, in deep doo-doo. The same doo-doo Everton were in last week. I can see Leeds being in this week. This is a, a terrific end to the season. Uh, very quickly, guys, who do we think is going to then... Uh, well, by the way, uh, Des coining the phrase there, who wants it more? I think that one might take <laughs> off as well. <laughs> um, uh, who do we think is going to get that final relegation spot? It's between Leeds, Everton and Burnley. Bob, who, who, who do you think is going to get that? Well, I think Leeds now. I think they're the favourites. Um, I mean, we said, uh, we were talking last week, I think, about whether it's Burnley or Everton. Um, and uh, I went I went for um, Everton. But we somehow overlooked the fact that Leeds were also in deep trouble. And, of course, they lost again. And now, when you, you look at it, Leeds have only got two more points than uh, Everton. Everton have got a game in hand. And the programme, this is the key, Leeds have got to go to Arsenal and then they're at home to Chelsea, at home to Brighton and away to Brentford. Now that, to me, looks quite a bit tougher than what either Everton or Burnley have. Everton, very quickly, away to Leicester, home to Brentford, away to Arsenal and away to Watford. Um, Burnley, home to Villa, away to Spurs, home to Newcastle, away to Villa. So I make of that what you will. But to me, that looks like Leeds United are going to go down. And Goglin, who do you think? No, I still think Everton will go down. Wow. I, I mean, I actually, I kind of want them to now because oh, I've Everton? never, <laughs> not only because I've never seen anything as apocalyptic as like Everton going down. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it'll be like. Des, what do you? Who do you think? Well, last week it was Everton. This week it's Leeds. Next week it'll be somebody else because it's it keeps changing. Uh, but it's wonderful. It, when you can't predict things with any certainty, it's fabulous. And that's what football. It's it's made. Uh, stop sitting on the fence, mate. <laughs> I, I want Everton to stay up. I keep saying that. I think two clubs in Merseyside is very important in the top flight um, yeah. for the city I, itself. But um, yeah. I fear for Leeds now. I do fear for Leeds. Yeah, I had a, a, a big argument with an American once, and he was he was talking about you know American sports, and he just could not comprehend the idea that what teams get relegated and promoted. <laughs> How, I mean, what? The, the, it's to me, it's the most exciting aspect of of the the structure of the game is that potential for complete loss. <laughs> Apologies to the fans of uh, Palace, Watford. Brentford and Southampton, we're going to have to skip past you um, because we're going to be going on in a moment to more important methods, and that is the championship here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. It is a fine goal. Fine header, fine goal. On The Ball on BFM 89.9. 
We are on the ball. It is uh, the final part of the show, and we're going now to... Uh, Bob, this is your moment in the sun, because we're talking championship, and hopefully for your sake, for the sake of uh, Nottingham Forest, it'll be the last time we talk championship for a very long time, because uh, unfortunately, Forest lost out on the opportunity for getting a automatic um, promotion spot. They lost to Bournemouth 1-0. And so we now have uh, Bournemouth and Fulham with the automatic spots. And who is in the race for the um, the playoffs? Well, Forest and uh, Huddersfield are already qualified, and it's for, between, for the playoff for the playoffs. And it's uh, the rest of the um, the three teams vying for the other spots: Middlesbrough, Sheffield United, and uh, Luton. Uh, on Millwall, uh, I've got a, a mathematical chance as well, four, four clubs. And this, um, this championship is famous for some team coming up from nowhere, sneaking sixth place, and then ended up um, winning at Wembley and being in the Premier League the following season. Villa, uh, Villa. The, Villa, Villa, yeah. yeah. Uh, although we have heard of Villa. Some <laughs> you know, lesser teams have done it. This time, it's... Uh, Really a fascinating battle. Championship always is. It's the fifth best supported, fourth best supported team, uh, league in the world. And uh, every year there's drama. I think you've got worthy qualifiers in Fulham who are a class apart. And uh, Bournemouth, got to hand it to Bournemouth. They only get 10,000 crowds, no budget. But they've done well under Scott Parker to uh, to take the automatic spot. Um so there's a real ding-dong battle. Uh, Forest have got Hull away uh, this weekend, um, but they're assured of a playoff spot. But there's a lot at stake still, because if you come third uh, or fourth, you get the home leg um, second. You play the away leg first, so that's, that's an advantage. And third plays sixth, and fourth plays fifth. So you can see there is... A certain, they try to reward the, the teams who come higher up. There's a slight advantage there. But um, these games are something of a lottery. You always get a surprise. So no one's counting any chickens. But um, I think that over, over the season, Huddersfield and Forest have probably been the, fourth, uh, the third and fourth best teams in the league. And they probably go in as as favourites to, to meet at Wembley in the final, which is the near £200 million game, mm. richest game in the world. That's, that's what's at stake when it all boils down. So the tension for that game, the atmosphere, I've been to one of them when Cardiff played, and the atmosphere for that is quite another level to your ordinary FA Cup final. Um, because half the crowd are uh, uh, FA Blazer members and not proper fans. The, the, the clubs only get about 20,000 tickets each for the FA Cup final. But uh, for the playoff final, they get 30-odd thousand each. And everybody who's ever supported those clubs will be there. And it's a fantastic atmosphere. The difference is between playing at Anfield, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge the following season, or playing at Rotherham, 
Port Vale or Derby. <laughs> the little clubs, like Rangers. Um, the, uh, so very quickly, Bob, uh, do you think Forrest will get through to the, the, the promised land? Well, obviously my heart says so, but I think my head is leaning, leaning that way as well. I think we, um, we have the players. I think uh, if we, we, I've done it again. If Forrest can get Keenan Davis back, you know all about Keenan Davis, Gogs. He's been an absolute revelation for Forrest, and they, they've missed him these last few games. He, he um, had a fitness test before the Bournemouth game, failed, but they're hoping to get him uh, ready for the playoffs. Um, if he's fit, then I think Forrest will do it. Yeah. You know, Des, Brentford have shown us that uh, a promoted club can stay up. And I think they showed us pretty convincingly. But the the uh, the, uh, the three that, that could become definitely uh, Fulham and Bournemouth, of course, could, do you think they can survive? Uh, it's possible because there's there's normally a, a couple of poor teams who um, are in a division, a team who's in, who's, who's in chaos. Uh, it, it, a lot of it depends on how you start. Brentford started very well. Uh, if you get off to a good start, then you get up to 20 points, then suddenly that momentum can keep you. Remember, Brentford were dropping down a little bit, but because of their start, they were able to, to pull away. So, yeah, it's certainly possible for a Fulham um, or a Forest or a Bournemouth to, to, to get through. But you've got to remember that um, the likes of Bournemouth, uh, their, their, their lead striker is Dominic Solanke, who's a cast-off of Chelsea and Liverpool. Liverpool and, yeah. and Nat Phillips, uh, who got Liverpool to the Champions League, and Jurgen Klopp said congratulations to Bournemouth, but Nat Phillips is the, the, the key central defender. So you're looking at a, at a different level um, of, 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 of player. Uh, very good players. Gosh, excellent players. Way, way beyond our, our level. But compared to the top levels, not great. All depends on, on the start that a, that a team can make. The likes of Fulham, though, we already know that they've lost Cavallo, one of their star players. And so who do they replace him with? Do they, do they replace the back five? You've, you've got to be settled. You've got to be organised. You've got to get off to a good start. And uh, so uh, briefly, though, uh, Goglin, your team, Villa, uh, came up once upon a time, not so long ago, through these playoffs. It must have been simultaneously the most exciting and the most terrifying experience. And I, I would imagine you'd never want to go through that again. So you can understand what Bob's going through. No, it's, it's completely exhilarating. And uh, I mean, we, we went to the playoffs finals. We lost the first one to Fulham. And then we went up and we won it again. The second one, I completely switched off the TV and didn't watch it because, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't handle the pressure of watching it. I woke up and you know, didn't want to switch on my phone. <laughs> but yes, it's it's a great thing. The first you, one you do I, know now know that Villa did get through. <laughs> <laughs> the, the news finally filtered through. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the first one we were. Uh, I took my son to watch it at Sitzpump, and then we went and watched the Champions League final. And uh, it was on the same day, if I'm not mistaken, Liverpool Real Madrid and uh, Villa Fulham, 2018, four years ago. So yes, the, it's great times, and I think with Forrest, they are nailed spot on. This should be the team that goes through, mm. barring a catastrophic failure. Yeah, it'd be great to see uh, Nottingham Forest back in again. And uh, yeah, the Premier League needs Forest back in. Let me put. This, let me say that. Yeah, yeah. A club of Forest nature needs to be back in the Premier League. It's been far too long. Actually, how long has it been, Bob? Twenty-three years. <laughs> how many days? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want the minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move to uh, football closer to home and the Sea Games. And uh, we've got a, quite a few matches coming up. And uh, what's Des? What's at stake? And um, who, who is Malaysia going to beat? 
Okay, so the Sea Games is looming. Uh, the 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 squads, uh, the Sea Games squads have already left. Football is uh, an early starter. Malaysia's first match is against Thailand mm. on uh, tomorrow, four o'clock in the afternoon, and then they're in a group that also includes Laos, Singapore, and Cambodia. The top two progress to the semi-finals. Now, this is a competition Malaysia don't have a, a lot of pedigree in. They've only won it twice. Most recently was in tw- uh, 2011 when K. Rajagopal was in charge. But Brad Maloney is an Australian who's been in charge um, of uh, the, the the junior teams for six or seven years now, I think. Um, might not be quite that long, but he's, he's certainly got a strong squad this time. A lot of players with Super League experience at his disposal. Salango routinely play the likes of Harith Heikel and Quentin Cheng and Zikri Khalil. And the likes of Azam Azmi and Hari Hakim play regularly for Trungano. So I think there's a, an opportunity for Malaysia to do well because they've also got Lukman Hakim, the guy who plays abroad in Belgium. He's part of the squad, as is Hadi Fayad, who plays his football in, in, in um, Japan. So for once, I think um, it's not the strongest squad. Arif Ayman from Johor, for example, isn't part of the equation, but it's a, a decent squad for, for um, uh, Brad Maloney to, to, to deal with. And if they don't progress into the semifinals, I'd be very, very surprised. A final place is a possibility, but as usual, Vietnam and Thailand are probably the teams that you're going to have to beat. Uh, this is an under 23s then, is it? it? It's under 23s, yes. You are allowed a couple of uh, overage players, but um, under 23s largely. So it's an age range tournament, but uh, there's a lot of a lot put on it in Malaysia, which I've never really understood. But uh, I was at the final, I commentated on the final in 2017 when Malaysia played um, uh, Thailand and lost one, uh, sorry, Indonesia. Um, and there were 100,000 people at Bukit Jalil. <laughs> It, it was it's mind blowing, and I, I just think under twenty three, and you're playing in front of that kind of pressure. So it does mean a lot because it it, it resonates. It, it it these under twenty three players they go onto the national team with a bit of pride, a bit of winning uh, winning now. So it does matter. And if Malaysia could break that uh, ten year hoodoo, well eleven year hoodoo, um, that would be a, a remarkable result for Brad Maloney. But semi finals, at least I would anticipate. And Goglin, how are you how are you? Feeling about the, this uh, campaign coming up? Well, I, I add to Des's uh, analysis on this, but in a semi-final uh, spot is yeah a powerful course because the, the squad we have. Yes, the, the, I'm allowed the, to say we. In the, of course, in the case of Malaysia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if I, I can't. You can too. Okay. You can too. But you're so a pro. Can. <laughs> yeah. But um, the uh, so the powerhouses in Southeast Asia will be Vietnam and Thailand. Always. And yeah. Always. And uh, the chances against that is slim, ultimately. I guess, no, no, the, the, the gap isn't huge. Sometimes it can appear huge, but on their day, Malaysia have, have players. Well, the real key to this is a lot of the boys boys are playing in um, the Super League, which is a competitive league. And the more games you play, I, I've been saying this forever, you've got to be playing games. And that squad is full of players who are playing games at a very high level. That's why I've, I've got confidence that they can cope uh, if they come up against Vietnam in the semifinals uh, and against Thailand on match day one. OK, well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, sh- uh, On The Ball. So I'd like to thank Goglin. Thank you very much. Good to see Des you. Cork- Des Corkill. Always a pleasure. Enjoy your drive home if you're listening in the car. And uh, Bob Holmes, and uh, stay safe, Bob. Keep calm. Keep calm. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) Okay. And myself, Cam Raslan, please join us on Monday. But for now, it is Honourable BFM 89.9.
goalkeeper and he's been absolutely brilliant. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.